Scripture this morning is Luke 1, verses 67 through 80. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and has redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his Holy Spirit, through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he lived in the desert until he appeared publicly to Israel. Thank you, Bill. Well, Merry Christmas. I bought, uh, I bought a really nice uh, Jeep Rubicon about a month ago. Uh, really, really expensive. Uh, been kind of the dream of mine for, for years. Has everything you need on it. And uh, I was hopeful uh, that the world was going to end Friday. <laughs> but enough about my financial problems. Um, no, I didn't buy a Jeep, by the way. I am still hopeful, however. This morning is about hope, and hope comes to us at all times and and in life and various uh, forms and stages of life. When I was eight years old, at Christmas time, I was really hopeful for a certain gift, and it was G.I. Joe, but it was a specific G.I. Joe. It was G.I. Joe with the Kung Fu grip. This was the best G.I. Joe going at the time. And so I had told Santa about G.I. Joe, and I think I mentioned it to my parents as well, maybe a thousand times, and let them know G.I. Joe is what I wanted for Christmas. And so Christmas morning came, and sure enough, like all of us little kids, what we do is we kind of spy out what's under the tree. And I saw the night before a package that looked just right. It had to be the G.I. Joe. So Christmas morning came, and I'm like, Mom and Dad, can I open up that package? And they're like, sure, you can open up this package. And they hand it to me, and, and just the excitement about it. And, and, and I slowly peel it back, and I couldn't wait anymore. So I just rip it open. Underwear. <laughs> what, a, what a disappointment. My mom's like, but they're good underwear. What is good underwear? I don't get that. Good underwear. <laughs> Later on in the morning, my, my father handed me a big box. I'm like, what in the world could this big box be? And so I, I tear open the first big box, and I look inside. It's another box. 
I open up the next box. It's another box. It's like one of those Russian nesting eggs, you know, the babushka dolls. I just kept getting more. Open up the box. Finally, I get to a box inside, and I know. I know what it is. So like Charlie with the Willy Wonka chocolate bar, you know, I just peel back the corner edge, and I see the symbol for G.I. Joe with a kung fu grip. Man, was I ecstatic. I took that thing out of the box, and, and I'm just kung fuing everything that's in the house and, and kicking everything, especially my brother, and had a blast. And then my buddy who lived next door to me, he's like, hey, come on over to the house. And, and, uh, and my sisters have some Barbie dolls. Man, that kung fu grip really works. The head of those Barbie dolls came off so easily. I don't know what that was. But all my hopes, all my dreams fulfilled for about a week. For about a week. And then G.I. Joe with a kung fu grip just became Joe. It wasn't that important in my life anymore. But it did, for a moment, fulfill some of my hopes. Christmas time brings a lot of hope. It's hope for the time at Christmas. Sometimes it's for the gifts that we may give or receive. It brings hope in, in, in special family time. We look forward to gathering with our family and enjoying them and rejoicing in the season together, rejoicing in the, the new little child, huh, Nancy, Carl? Awesome. Hope to a young man who is ice skating Rockefeller Center on the ice, underneath the Christmas tree, as he's about to propose to that beautiful woman that he loves. It's a wonderful time of hope. And so it was 2,000 years ago in Israel. The people were full of hope, but they were longing for a Messiah. They were longing for a king. They were longing for one who would deliver them out of the oppression of Rome. And that longing for a Messiah was about to happen. It was about to take place. Not in a, not in a thing, not in a, a person like a, one of the prophets of old, but in the person of Jesus Christ, who would be the Messiah. He would be the one who would bring real hope. He would bring true hope. I think the question for all of us is, what is real hope? What does that look like? As, you, as we look at our English vocabulary, hope the idea that, that it's something that, that we, we're kind of grasping for. Maybe it will happen. It's, it's distinguished. It's set apart from certainty. It, it isn't confident in the way we speak about hope in our language. Hope that is not that of Christ. 1 Peter says this about hope. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You see, Christian hope is not wishful thinking. Christian hope is what God has promised something. God has made a promise to us 
and that we put our hope in and we know that what he says is true, that the promise will be kept. Christian hope is knowing that God says something will come to pass and the reality of life is that it does because God is trustworthy and his word is true. Let me give you some promises of God out of Romans chapter 8. Things that are trustworthy and true that we can be secure and confident in. Romans 8, 32. What then shall we say in response to this? Basically in response to God's amazing love for us. If God is for us, who in the world can be against us? Look what God has done. God, who did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? You see, what Romans is saying is that God has promised to us life in his son, Jesus Christ, his amazing love for us that that expands eternity, expands the world, Neither height nor death, angels nor demons, nothing separates us from the love of God. God loved us so much, even to the point that he would give up his own son. That's, that's baby Jesus who grew up with a purpose, to be our Savior. That whoever would believe upon him would not perish but have life. Because baby Jesus died on the cross for us. Because we have a sin problem. We're broken and in need of a Savior. And then he rose again from the dead. And in the power of the resurrection offers each and every one of us life. That's a confident hope that we can have. As you've placed your faith in Jesus, that you have salvation. For those of you who've wondered what that looks like, it means that you are given the gift of life. Because God invaded this planet and broken humanity in this little babe, Jesus. Christian hope is secure. It gives us life. And God gives us hope from his promises, and it's rooted in the work of Jesus Christ. And it's not something that is fleeting, like G.I. Joe with the Kung Fu grip. Here's a promise about grip in the scriptures, John 10. Jesus says, Don't you know that you're in my Father's hand, that he has his grip upon you. And here's the promise of Scripture in John 10. Don't you know that nothing can take you out of my Father's hand, out of his grip? Don't you realize his, his love for you? Don't you realize that your life's not out of control? It's in his grip. Don't you realize when we fail miserably, you're not out of his grip? That's a promise of God that you can bank on. It's not like, I hope it's true. I hope it might happen. I hope God really loves me. He does. And we can rest and be at peace and be secure in that truth. And that's the hope of Christmas. Zechariah and Elizabeth had incredible hope. Remember last week? They were devout. They were righteous. Faithful. They loved God. And they had their hope in a Messiah that would come. Not, in a, not hope just in their son John. It was proclaimed to them. 
But hope in the one that John would proclaim. Hope in the one that he would confess out in the wilderness. The one who's coming after me, I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. There's a Messiah who's coming. You people who think I'm the Messiah, you're dead wrong. Everything about me, John says, is about talking about who Jesus is. You need to know him. And that's the hope that Zechariah and Elizabeth had. They were blessed in the gift of their son, John, but it wasn't about him. Everything and Christmas, everything about Christmas is about pointing to Jesus Christ. He wants you to know him. He wants you to have a relationship with him. He wants you to receive life because of his death on the cross for us. That's what Christmas is about. The birth and the life of Christ. Zachariah and Elizabeth had amazing hope. And Zachariah goes into the temple to offer incense. Remember, it brought incredible joy, selected by Lot to go in and, and be the one who could come into the presence of God and offer up this amazing incense offering to God as the people outside prayed. And all of a sudden, Gabriel shows up, the angel of God who stands in the presence of God. And this is what he says. The angel said to him, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy. He will be a delight to you. And many will rejoice because of his birth. This announcement gave Zechariah incredible joy in his heart and incredible hope. And even in the middle of all that, there was a lot of confusion for him. How is this going to work out? You see, Zechariah, your prayer has been answered, not only, not only for an earthly son, but the bigger picture that you've been praying for as a priest and your family's been praying for for all of your life, and that is for a Messiah. It's all about to take place. You can imagine just the moment God is about to reveal himself fully. And he's going to use his son John to be the one to prepare hearts. What a gift. What hope for Zechariah and for us. But even for Zechariah, he didn't get it all. And so this morning we're going to look at the rest of the story. Where is hope at Christmas time? Hope at Christmas time, and as we look at the life of Zechariah, hope arrives even in the middle of our doubt. And I want to read what Zechariah says. Verse 18. Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years. Once again, there's no way in heck we can get pregnant. The angel answered, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you the good news of all that's going on. You see, God's been at work. And the fulfillment of his timing is about to come. And now, uh, Zechariah, you will be silent and you won't be able to speak until the day comes about 
because you did not believe my words, which will come true. Why? Because God fulfills his promises. And they will come true at the proper time. All of God's working in human history. You know, the Bible, I always always say this, the the Bible's God's love story. That's what it is. From the beginning in Genesis all the way through, it's how he, he loves us and wants relationship with us and wants to offer us life as, as we come into relationship with him. That's the good news. But there needed to be a savior. There needed to be a savior. And Zechariah didn't get it. And Zechariah, this is what I love about this. I love about the Bible. You got a priest who's a righteous guy. And he's going, that doesn't make any sense to me. I love God. I worship him. I'm faithful. But I don't believe it. Isn't that good humanity? I mean, isn't that, isn't that real life? You and I, as we journey along in our faith, we struggle with doubt often, don't we? And what I love about this story is God doesn't give up on Zachariah or Elizabeth. He's right there with them. But at the same time, he's about to really grow up Zechariah in his faith. There ain't no perfection yet until eternity with God. And so all of us have some growing to do. And so he's starting to grow up Zechariah. And so what happens is, Zechariah says, Hey, listen, I don't get it. You know, give me a sign, basically, is what he's saying. You need to prove it to me. You can picture Gabriel, who's this awesome angel. Gabriel's probably just going, Zechariah, hello, did you get a look at me? (laughs) I'm like this awesome angel. When you saw me, you fell down in fear. Am I not enough of a sign that God is right here with you and doing his deal? Hey, Zechariah, I'm the one who stands in the presence of God. I'm the guy who was with Daniel, speaking to him and ministering to him. I'm that one. Wake up. God has sent you a sign, and it's me, to speak forth the words of God. I stand in the presence of God, and let me tell you what his promises are to you. And so, Zechariah, because you don't believe, here's the deal. Zip it. Shh. No more talking from you. You need to hear from God. You need to hear from God. You're talking too much, and you need to just listen to what God has to say to you because God's doing an incredible work in your life. It reminds me of Job. Remember Job? Job's just arguing with God. Like, God, why'd you let all this stuff happen to me? I'm righteous, and I'm living for you. Doggone it, Lord. What is the matter with you? How do you let this take place? Well, I've been serving you faithfully, and God does this. He says, Job, zip it. You've you've had enough talking now. Where were you, Job, when I laid the foundations of the world? I don't remember you being there. Because I'm God, and I'm going to fulfill my purpose in your life. And in the middle of all of that, Job and Zechariah, my incredible love is pouring out upon you guys. So stop talking and listen to me and what I'm doing. 
You know, isn't it interesting in our Christian journey, I think, I think one of the places that we grow the most is when we're sort of put in a place where we just have to listen. Where we can't fix something. A lot of times I think that happens for us maybe when we come with, with some serious illness in our life. And it's like, I can't, I can't take care of this. I don't have the power. I can't, I can't get it all done. And God puts us in a place where we just have to sit and listen to what he's doing. God, what do you have for my life? And so he does this with Zechariah, as he does with us. Have you experienced that in your life? If God's doing that with you, maybe it's even right now, let him minister to your soul. Because he wants you to hear from him. God isn't silent. He's not just going to leave you hanging there. It's good that I go, Jesus says, because I send the power of the Holy Spirit upon you. He's the one who's going to walk with you. He's the spirit of comfort and truth. He's the one who is the paraclete, one right by your side. I will be your God. You will be my people. I will not leave you nor forsake you. But listen to God. Zechariah had to listen. Even in the middle of his doubt, God's working with him. Zechariah's response is a little different than Mary's, isn't it? You see, Mary, when she had Gabriel come and speak to her, Zechariah, Mary said, I don't get this. But do you remember her final response to Gabriel is, you know what? I am God's bondservant. His will be done in my life. It was a real surrender. Real surrender. Zechariah wasn't quite at that place. And so God's still growing him up, just like you and me. And so he's going to make him to be silent and just to listen. And, and one of the things that we get from Scripture is not only could he, could he not speak, but we're pretty sure he couldn't hear also. And so can you imagine nine months of just being still before God? I'm not able to speak or to talk. Where is hope at Christmas time? It's right in the middle of our doubt as we listen to God and His truth and what He has for us. And there's hope at Christmas time in the waiting for God to do what He intends to do, for God to fulfill His promises of what's going on. You see, What's happening is, Zechariah goes into the temple, offers up incense, worship to God. Remember the, the image is that the people would be outside praying and that all of the prayers of the saints would go up kind of wrapped in this beautiful envelope, the sweet aroma of the incense, up to God. May our worship be holy and pleasing to you, God. And so the people outside are waiting for Zechariah to come out. From the temple. And what would happen is the priest would come out and would offer a blessing to the people. And so they waited for that. The ironic blessing would be the Lord's face may it shine upon you, may he keep you. And, and, and may he smile upon you, the Lord's blessing upon the people. Now you gotta imagine all the people outside, just be like you here, you're praying, you're on your knees. Asking God, again, the prayers of the people were often for the Messiah to come. 
for a king to come. And so as they're praying, you've got to imagine their knees are starting to hurt. And they're like, looking at their watches. Hey, Zechariah's been in there an awfully long time. What's taking place in there? Finally, Zechariah, after hearing all of this from the angel, and, and just overwhelmed with it, I think overwhelmed with a bunch of things. One, what? I'm going to have a son? What? The Messiah's going to come? What is going on? How is this going to work out? And, 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 and I think, honestly, filled with joy, even though confused. Filled with hope, even though he doesn't get it all. Comes out of the doors and just, oh! Can't say a thing. So then he's, he's doing this stuff up on, on the stairs and he's just like, like doing this. And everybody, everybody's looking at each other like, what is he saying? I think he said, still second base. I don't know what that is. You know, what are... What is this? And then they're like watching him and he's like, he's like doing this stuff and trying to give an example of what happened. And they're like, what is it? Is it a movie? Movie? Word, first word. First word, Zachariah. He's like doing the angel thing. And, and, and they're like, oh, angel, angel, movie. They're like, it's a wonderful life. <laughs> no, that's not it. Nobody could figure out. They knew he had seen a vision. They knew something incredible had happened to him. But they finished their service and the scriptures say they went on their way and they went home all of this joy all of this excitement all of this confusion and yet all of this hope bound up inside Zechariah oh that must have been difficult but they went on their way home you ever wonder what life at home was like for for Zachariah and Elizabeth? I bet for Zachariah, I mean for Elizabeth, I bet there was a little smile on her face. Hey, honey, uh, I'm going shopping. I'm going to take the credit cards. I need to buy some things. Zachariah's just like, ooh! <laughs> I'm sorry, honey, I didn't catch that. I'm out the door. We'll see you later. You know, it would have been an interesting journey. I, I'm sure there was a lot of writing on tablets to explain all that Gabriel had said inside the temple. And together, really processing what God was doing in their lives. Incredible joy and hope that was happening. Elizabeth responds to the news that Zechariah gave her, I, I think with a real sense of awe of God. And a real faith. Look what verse 23 says. When his time of service was completed, he returned home, and after this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant. That's what God promised through Gabriel. And for five months, she remained in seclusion. And the Lord, in seclusion, and this is what she says, and this was what's beautiful, I think, about her faith and what she sees of God. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and he has taken away my disgrace from among the people. Do you remember to not be able to bear a child as a Jewish woman? It was often a place of shame and disgrace, especially for the wife of a priest. Where's the lineage going to come from? And so it was shameful. 
And so Elizabeth, as she receives the good news and as her body becomes pregnant, when the scriptures were very clear, she was way beyond childbearing years. I think she's just meditating and and rejoicing and, and going, Lord, what are you doing in my life? And you know what's beautiful? He has shown his favor upon me and taken away my shame. You know what I think that she's saying, really? God, I know you love me. And she's just receiving God's love. She's just receiving it. Because it's pouring out upon her. You know, that's hard for a lot of us, isn't it? It's hard for us to receive love from people, period. We, we have all these barriers up and, and control things. We don't want to get hurt. And God is, is pouring out his love on us all the time. And a lot of times we just won't receive it. God is love. God is love. And so she receives that love. Rejoicing in God. Thank you for your favor upon me. And she's enjoying all that the Lord is doing in her life and she's hopeful while she waits. Where's hope at Christmas time? It's in our waiting. God fulfills His promises. God's love is poured upon us. There's hope in God's fulfillment. You see, Gabriel shows up to Mary and we know that whole story and she breaks out in song because she's just blown away by it all. But she runs, over to, she runs over to Elizabeth's place. And do you ever wonder why she went there? Why go over to Elizabeth's place? All of a sudden, Gabriel you know, shows up to Mary and says, Listen, God has favor upon you. You are going to become pregnant with the Son of God. How is this going to happen? She says, I'm, I'm a virgin and I, I'm not wed. I haven't been with a man. And he says, the Holy Spirit's going to overshadow you and you will become pregnant. She receives all this news. Now you've got to imagine in that culture, receiving all that news, that's nothing but scandalous and shameful. How's anybody ever going to believe this? Nobody will. They might try to actually kill me. If anything, I've lost everything with my relationship with Joseph. Everything's finished. What am I going to do? And she runs to Elizabeth. I think a woman who knew exactly what that shame felt like. A woman who also was seeing all that God was doing in the middle of that which would be considered scandalous and crazy. And that place with Elizabeth, I think she finds incredible comfort. You know, one of the ways that God pours out his love on us is that he provides someone in your life who who has been exactly what you've been through. Whether it's a a certain illness that you've journeyed through, whether it's a loss of a job and and how's God going to provide. And And he puts someone in your life that you can walk through this with. That's just God's love for you guys and for me so that we can be of comfort to each other, so that we can encourage each other in the Lord, so that we can hold on to His truth because God keeps His promises. And I know you guys have had that in your life. So Mary runs off 
to Elizabeth, the one place, I think, where she could find comfort and hope. And what's going to happen is they're going to receive hope because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember what I said last week? The Holy Spirit's at work through this whole narrative, the birth narrative. There's nothing out of control here that's going on. God's Holy Spirit is playing out in everything, in every life that's involved up to the birth of Christ. And you and I have received the Holy Spirit, that same Spirit, which is just amazing to me. And so what's going to happen is hope's going to come from the work of the Holy Spirit. And as she runs, what Elizabeth says, Oh my goodness, when you showed up, the baby in my womb leapt with incredible joy and stirred, and it was amazing inside of me. The, the scriptures are, are like, it was just pounding in there. It was, it was Kung Fu grip Karate Joe inside of me. Those of you who've had children, you know that feeling. You know what I think's going on? Mary shows up. Holy Spirit's upon both of them powerfully. Holy Spirit, and the scriptures say, from the womb, John had the Holy Spirit upon him. I think as soon as baby Jesus is near, all of a sudden it's like, hey, get me out of here. I got to tell people about this guy. Get me out. You know? This is the one that I'm supposed to proclaim. Excited about the truth that the Messiah was to be born. Scriptures say the Holy Spirit came powerfully upon Elizabeth. You see, she got it. Why? Because the Spirit's the Spirit of truth. The Spirit reveals truth. And the Spirit said, hey, this is what's going on. She got it. And so in a loud voice, she's used to talking in a loud voice because she's always yelling at Zechariah. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you. Look what she gets. This is Elizabeth. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child that you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord, Elizabeth says, where does she get that? God's work, His Spirit speaking truth. We have hope because of the work of the Spirit. As soon as the sound of your greeting reached me, this child leapt. And verse 45 is absolutely beautiful. Blessed is she, where does hope come from? Blessed is she who has believed. That's where hope comes from. That what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. God keeps his promises in our life. God's scripture is true. When we hold on to what he has to say, it'll be fulfilled in life. And blessed are you because you believe. That's where hope comes from. Mary is encouraged. She burst out in, in song. Oh, my soul rejoices in God, my Savior. His mercy extends to those who fear him. Every heart in this scene, in this scripture passage, Zechariah and Elizabeth and John and Mary, everyone has a heart that is prepared for the Lord. And that's the question for all of us. Are our hearts prepared for the Lord? Are our hearts surrendered 
unto the Lord. Because He has come. Jesus has come. And He died on that cross for our sin. And the gift and the offer to each and every one of us to hearts prepared is will you believe me? Will you receive God's love? And He wants each of us to surrender our lives to Him because He offers life. That's the good news. That's why the baby was leaping in the womb with joy because the Savior has come. And so for each of you in this room, if you've never been at that place, today is the day of salvation. See, one of the things that I know, because I know who God is, is that His Spirit is working on each of you. Why? Because He loves you. And He wants you to know Him. And so there's hearts that are being prepared. And so it comes to a point in life where you go, it's not just about the Christmas lights and the nice songs. It's about my life being changed forever in receiving Jesus Christ. And so I just want to invite you to think about that this morning, this season, as you reflect. Because he came. And as Zechariah comes out of the temple, out of, out of his house, and John is born, and they're saying, let's name him Zechariah. Zechariah knows exactly what's going on. And so he writes on a tablet. His name's going to be John. Gift of God. Grace of God. His mercy has poured out. But it's not going to be about John. You see, John's only going to be the guy who's going to tell everybody about what's going on. And as soon as he writes on the tablet, this is his name. His tongue is loosed. And Zechariah, all of that joy, all of that hope, all of God speaking to him in all that silence, it just bursts forth in this prophecy, in this song. And you know what's so interesting? The song only has two verses that are about John, his son. The prophecy, the song, is all about Jesus. And so, in all of that time, his name is John, and he's going to tell you about this Jesus, but let me tell you what the Holy Spirit has been teaching me about who he's going to be. And this is the song. He will be your Redeemer. He's the one who bought you with a price. He will be your deliverer. He will show you incredible mercy. And He will bring you peace. You see, He's not just going to deliver you from the strong hand of Rome. Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, is going to deliver you from the bondage of sin and death. And He's going to deliver you into life because of His great mercy upon you. And so Zechariah can do nothing but sing about what's going on. And he says, thank you, God, for John, because he's going to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. 
And it'll be as the sun coming into darkness that will bring light unto the world. And so Zachariah says to all of us, Merry Christmas. Let's pray. Father, your love for us is overwhelming. The fact that you came God in the flesh as a child. That, Lord, you didn't hold anything back, but you offered your Son as a sacrifice, the payment for our sin, and that you would give life to those of us who would believe in your Son, Jesus, that you, you came and that you died on the cross and that you rose again and that you give us life. And so, Father, for each and every one in this room who, who's never heard, who does not know you, would your Holy Spirit speak to them? Their hearts have been prepared for you, Father. And if you're at that place this morning, all you need to say is this in your heart, I receive you, Lord Jesus. I receive your love. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and be my Savior. I surrender my life unto you. Thank you, God, for the gift of my salvation. We love you, Jesus. Amen.